This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Well, good morning again. We have a brand new addition to our City Church family this morning that I've been talking about the last few weeks. Our new student ministry director is here. We're going to give them a special City Church welcome today. We have Tyler and Jane Fitch with us. Come on, guys. Come on, Frank. Everybody wants to look at you anyway. My dad said he wants to get a pair of these jeans. Do you think my dad can pull it off? No, do not encourage this, people. It's not a good idea. Anyway, we want to welcome them today. Uh, Tyler and Jane just graduated um, from Portland Bible College uh, a few weeks back, and uh, we're happy to have them uh, with us. Just a little bit of history. Tyler's Canadian and Jane is American, so we love American. <laughs> Nicole is especially excited about that. Um, I actually uh, went to youth group with Tyler's mom about 30 years ago, and um, we, we were friends growing up in youth group. I used to hang out with his mom quite a bit, actually, and um, about six years ago, his mom actually wrote a book, and at the book release party, she invited me to the book release party so we could renew acquaintances, and I actually met Tyler then. He was 18 at the time, and he was getting ready to do some things um, in student ministry and some internship things at, at school. And so we became friends on Facebook, and I've been sort of watching him from afar. And then last fall, when I started looking for a new student ministry director, I reached out to a couple of different organizations. And then one day on Facebook, I just happened to notice a post uh, that he made. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wonder about Tyler. And so I actually messaged his mother, and I said, hey, what's going on with your son? Is he, you know, in Bible school? What, what are his plans? And, and she uh, messaged me back, and uh, she said, well, he's in his last year of Bible school, and he's uh, soon to be engaged and is now married. And um, he's, he's, he has a heart for Ontario. And I said, oh, that's, that's, a gr- that's great. I'd love to reach out to him. Would you mind giving me his contact information? And so I reached out to him. Uh, we talked on the phone a couple different times for more than an hour, just about church and ministry and youth ministry and doctrines and all wonderful Bible geek stuff. And uh, so really liked... Um, him a lot and we had a lot of similar philosophies of ministry and things like that and he mentioned that he was coming back at christmas to visit his family and so we said hey would you mind if we would interview interview you for the possibility of uh, being our new student ministry director but just wondering if if jane is able to come and he said well she was going to be spending time uh, with her family at christmas but i said hey would you could we fly her so we could talk to both of you so we met them, spent a couple of days with them, and we really liked them. Just great uh, young people, really with a heart for God, heart for the local church. And we are super excited and honored to have them as our new student ministry directors here at the City Church. So we're actually going to pray for them. So let's everybody stand up as we welcome them into our family. We are super expectant um, for all of the things that God will do through this couple with our student ministry. Uh, but not only our student ministry, but for students here in Mississauga, who actually don't even go to church yet, who don't even know Jesus, uh, we believe God is going to use these couples, uh, this couple here to make an impact in the next generation in our city. So let's just all reach our hands out and pray for them. Father God, we just thank you for Tyler and Jane. And we thank you, Lord, that you've sent them to be part of our family. 
And God, we just honor that call today. And we thank you, Lord, uh, for your grace upon them in this season of life as they are newly married and a new place to live and a new place to work. We thank you, Lord, for grace upon them uh, for this time and for this place. We thank you, Lord, that you have called them to the kingdom for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon them as they minister to the next generation, as they minister to students. God, I just pray that your love flows through them to the next generation. And God, we are expecting for all that you will use them for to reach students, Lord, in this church and in this city and in this province and in this nation. Father God, we just thank you for that. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. So make sure you take some time um, at the end of the service to come and say hello to them, to meet them, especially those of you that have students uh, between grade 6 and grade 12. And and once again, just remind you, they are newlyweds. And what do newlyweds need? Money. So just putting that out there, if you happen to have some extra loose loose in your pocket and you want to bless our new uh, student ministry director, I'm sure they will be receptive to that idea. All right, we are in week three of our series that we have called Energize. So we are looking at things uh, in the scripture as it relates to being a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, that he calls us his church, his called out ones. The church is a gathering of Jesus followers. And so that's what we are, that God has called us as individual followers of Jesus to be part of a group. And when we're part of a group, a local church family, um, so many great things can happen and so many great things can go on. And we want to be involved in the things that God wants us to be involved with. And when we do those things, we will be energized that the Holy Spirit joins with the church. The Holy Spirit joins with individual Christ followers to accomplish the things that Jesus wants us to do. And we understand this about energy in general, that we know sometimes when we're lacking energy, we might just need a good night's sleep uh, so we can regain our energy. But we also know that when we invest in some exercise with our body, that we will actually reap some energy. And the same is true spiritually. As we invest energy spiritually the way God has called us to by being obedient to the word of God, we will experience the empowerment from the Holy Spirit as we do the things that God has called us to do. So in week one, we talked about worship, that we can uh, sing and worship God on our own, but something special happens when we gather together in unity and we lift up the name of Jesus and we sing with one voice to lift up the name of Jesus. You know, we're honoring God, we're worshiping him, uh, giving him our love. But also, uh, like we experienced today, that when we worship God, God's presence is there. And God's presence can do things in our life that other people can't do. That God can adjust our hearts and change our bodies and heal us and do all of these things to us when we're aware of God's presence. And then last week we talked about relationships. How we said that God has called us to be saints together. That we're not supposed to be as followers of Jesus. We're not supposed to be lone wolves off on our own, disconnected from the church, that God has called every individual Christ follower to be part of a local body called the church. 
So when we do that, when we, when we get together and we experience relationships the way uh, God wants us to experience relationships, there can be uh, a, a mutual beneficial thing going on in the context of relationships. People giving love back and forth and giving support back and forth and giving uh, wisdom back and forth. Now we're going to talk about a similar thing today. We were talking last week more about peer-to-peer relationships. And today we want to focus on the idea of sort of mentoring relationships. So if you have your Bible, turn with me um, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to see some words here in the message paraphrase that Jesus talks about as it relates to the church. So the context of these verses is that Jesus, uh, you know, was doing some ministry and was getting a little bit famous and people were sort of wondering who Jesus was. We saw, was he like a reincarnation of some of the Old Testament prophets and leaders? And so people are saying, you're this person and you're this prophet, Jesus. And then Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And to that response, uh, Jesus says something to his disciples. And he says this, Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself lets you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. He says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. So this understanding of who Jesus is is what the church is based on or what the church is built on, that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says something about the church. He says something about the gathering of Jesus followers. What does he say? A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to come against it. Expansive with energy. Do you like that phrase? That's a good phrase when we think about the Holy Spirit empowering us and helping us in our lives. That when we are involved in the things that God wants us to be involved with, we will experience energy. And we'll experience energy by giving out. By giving out in the ways that God wants us to give out. Once again, like we said, first week, worshiping God. When we give out love to God, we will experience God's presence. When we give out uh, genuine love in the context of peer-to-peer relationships, we will experience energy that way. And then also, what we're discussing today is being able to mentor somebody who is younger than us. Now, uh, from time to time, you know, my family will take day trips uh, in the summer in and around Ontario. And if you ever travel around Ontario and other places, you'll see that um, there will be old church buildings. And in these church buildings, there's no longer congregations meeting. Uh, Sometimes they become a community center. They become different things. You know, there's a church and there's a plaque and it's just sort of a historic site now. Sometimes there's a, a graveyard beside it. But there's no longer a church in a place where obviously a bunch of people at one point gathered together and gave some money and built a church. And then now there's no longer a church. And I've always wondered as I pass by these churches, what happened? What happened that this church gathered and, and they, they probably did some of the same things we do. But now many years later, there's no church there. There's no more people gathering together. What happened? You know, in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, there is a period of time where judges uh, led the nation of Israel. 
And we see this phrase in, in the book of Judges over and over again because what, what would happen in the book of Judges that the children of Israel would serve God for a while, God would raise up a leader, uh, they would serve God for a season, and then they would get into sin, and then they would sort of fall away from God, and then they would cry out to God, and God would save them with a new judge, and, and this sort of system would go on and on and on, this, this repetition. And it said this phrase multiple times in the book, multiple times, in the book of Judges, it says, There grew up a generation that didn't know God. There grew up a generation that didn't know God. In other words, there was a generation that did. And then the generation or the generation that followed somehow wasn't able to have the same relationship with God as a specific generation. And we as a church family, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be a church that 50 years from now, there's a plaque outside that says there used to be a church here where a bunch of people gathered. I mean, unless we sell this building and move to a bigger church. But I'm saying that, that we somehow don't exist. I don't, I don't want to be involved in a church that's not interested in the next generation. And the reality is for us, everybody, for all of us in this room, is that there is somebody younger than us in this room. Younger than us chronologically, but also younger than us in the Lord. And we have to be interested in that next generation, the generation that follows. You know, I, as I've told you many times, I've grown up in church and I've observed many things at church. And this is uh, one of the things that I actually observed younger, observed when I was younger, is that there was a couple different families that I, you know, I admired at a certain season of my life. And these families, these parents were very exuberant about God. I mean, they... They loved God and they loved going to church and they would travel going to meetings and they would, you know, just involved in church. And now these many years later, as I look at these families, none of their children serve God. And to me, it's a little bit sad that there, there's these families and then they at one time they stood, you know, for the things of God and they worshiped God and they honored God. And now it really it's really just stopped with them. Their, their children don't serve God. They're not interested in church. And similarly to looking at empty church buildings and situations like this, I always ask myself, well, what happened? Because I actually don't want that to happen with me. I don't want that to happen with a church that I pastor. I want us as a church family to be interested in the next generation. Uh, when we designed this church building, my wife and I, uh, we looked at a lot of the spaces that we have, and we actually have more square footage um, designated for people 18 and under than we do square footage for people 18 and over. Now I'm hoping that all of you 18 and over aren't offended. <laughs> that you should actually be glad that that's what we have as a church. That we have fantastic uh, children's areas, you know, safe, awesome, beautiful children's areas for your children. And then we have a whole floor virtually for uh, youth ministry. So that we can minister to the next generation. That we want to be intentional as a church family to not be uh, the type of generation that we see in the book of Judges. That the generation that follows doesn't serve God. We don't want to be that generation. That God is the God of generations, not just a generation. So it's incumbent upon every generation to make sure that we're able to pass down a relationship with God. You know, the, the one, uh, one of the religions that doesn't grow with the birth rate is Christianity. There are religions that do statistically grow with the birth rate. In other words, you have to be this. Christianity is not one of those. 
that children at some point in their lives, they're, they're going to have to decide for themselves if they're going to follow Jesus or not, if they're going to be involved um, in the church or not. And so we as a church family, we as a church, we as individual Christ followers have to take this idea seriously. That we just don't want to be a single generation, that we just love God and worship God, and then we just know the Bible and we just know God for ourselves. But anybody that comes after us, somehow we've forgotten about them. Or we're not interested in them. Or we don't have time for them. We just have time uh, for my relationship with God. That we have to be interested in the generation that is to follow. Let's turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So Paul is writing to Timothy, a pastor, and he's describing what a church is like. And a church is like a big family. That we would have people older than us and we have people younger than us. And just like if you have siblings in your family, you love and care for your siblings. You love and care for your parents. You love and care for your children. And so not only do I have my own parents over here, but I have some other people um, here in the church that are older than me who love and care for me like my own parents do. And then I have people younger than me. Um, I, I didn't actually have any younger siblings. I had an older sis- sister who was really tall and would beat me up sometimes, but it's okay. We're, we're good now. We've worked out our issues. But I just don't have one sister. I have a bunch of sisters. And I have a bunch of people um, in my family because we're following Jesus and we're following Jesus together. But part of the intentionality has to be, I'm not just in it for myself. And I'm not just in it by myself. That I'm actually interested in the family of God. I'm interested in my family and raising uh, my daughters with my wife here in the church. But what's great here about the city church is that there's a bunch of other uh, cool 20-somethings who are way cooler than me, according to my daughter's opinion, who love to spend time with young people and help mentor them in their relationship with God. See, and we all can be like that. There's, there's somebody coming behind us in the church. There's somebody, a, a generation that's following us, a generation that's younger than us. And we have to have this view that we look beyond just ourselves and our own preferences and our own desires and our own wants. And we need to think as a church, well, how can we reach the next generation? So that next generation desires to follow Jesus. That, that, that next generation loves God, loves Jesus, loves the church. Because we want to do that. We don't want to be a single generation. And we don't want this room 50 years from now to be a dusty room. That was, there was, used to be a bunch of life here. And there used to be a bunch of people that would meet here. No, we want 50 years from now an exuberant congregation loving God, worshiping Jesus. So it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we have something to pass down. And that we do it the right way. Because we can't force them to do it. It's not follow Jesus or die. That's not an option in our faith. Did you know that? There has to be a way, and there is a way. There is a way for it to, to be a generational church, not a church of a single generation. Uh, you know, us as a church family, you know, we honor and need, we need all generations. I've written these phrases down. Uh, we, as a church family, we want to honor age, but we want to reach young. We want to honor age, we want to reach young. That we honor everybody of every age and we need all of you older people 
all of people older than me. So I'm 47. So everybody older than me, you're old. I'm just older. But we need everybody of every age. And then we're going to honor because people that are older than us can help us. Has anyone found this out? That people older than you can help you. You know, when you were younger and you were a teenager and you, 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 you realized by the time you were 16 that you'd learned everything that there was to be known. And then when you got to 25, you realized, um, I have a lot to learn. And then you had a child and you think, oh, I don't really know anything. So we need older people. And we honor all of the older people in our congregation. We want you and we need you. But what, partly what you're needed for, specifically from the scriptures, you're needed to be able to mentor those people following you. Mentor the people coming after you. Helping the next generation know God. And we could do this by being here, once again, as a church family, showing up, investing our resources, serving. There's lots of way for us practically to do this. But it actually starts with our heart. It's not just some mechanical thing we're going to do. But it is going to be a heart attitude that we love the generation that follows us. We need the wisdom of the old and the passion of the youth. We need both of those to be a generational church, not just a generation church. Jesus is really interested in the young generation. Mark chapter 9, we see this. It's kind of a negative example, but we kind of get the point. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. Jesus is serious about young people. Interested in children and interested in the next generation and this is something that we have to receive from jesus and accept and it's something that we need to live out we can see the mission here of jesus in matthew chapter 4 the paradigm of following jesus as it were verse 18 of matthew 4 says while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. We talked about this last week. Follow me vertical or salvation or knowing the promises of God or knowing the word of God or having a relationship with God. Follow me. And then Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men, horizontal. Jesus never invites anybody into salvation with also inviting them into mission. Into the reason why you experience salvation. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. We do the vertical. We need to do the vertical. We need to get our strength from God and know God's word and have a relationship with God. But it's all for a purpose. It's all for a reason. That we would have this wonderful relationship with God. We would experience God's righteousness and know a relationship with God based on grace. So that we could then what? Be fishers of men. Be influential with other people. See, God is influencing us in the context of our relationship with him, so that we can be influential in the world. Not just to have his presence, not just to know his presence, not just to know the word of God, not just to know the promises. Those are all good things, and they're all important things. But follow me so that I will make you fishers of men. 
And this is something we need to embrace once again as everybody in the church. This is not just for Tyler and Jane. This is for all of us. This is for all of us as we follow Jesus. There's somebody, there's somebody coming after me. There's somebody coming behind me who is younger chronologically, who is younger in the Lord. And I, I know God actually wants to me to be influential in their life. Let's read here in John chapter 21. John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection and Jesus is eating with his disciples. And we see, you know, we think about just about if you're about to leave somebody, you're going to tell them some of the most important things to you. Before I go, I just want to tell you this. And we see this found in John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So here's a question. Jesus asks us, asks his disciples. Then he asks us, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus is asking this question for a reason. And we would answer in the affirmative. Those of us that follow Jesus, we would think, you know, Jesus is asking me, do I love you? Yes, of course, I love you, Jesus. And then what does Jesus say? He said to him, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Lambs is representative of young people, a younger generation. If we love God, we have to be. We have to be in love with the generation that follows us. Because you know who's really in love with them? Is God is really in love with them. You know, I did, I did youth ministry for about a dozen years. And one of the things that is always very real to me when I get in a room of young people. I stand at the back of our, you know, youth gatherings and the kids are worshiping or just hanging out together. And I'm constantly aware of how much God is chasing these young people. And he's not chasing them with anger. He's not chasing them with frustration. He's not over them, frustrated with them because of how many selfies they take. But he's chasing them with his love. That each young person in our church family, from the nursery, all the way through student ministry, our young adults. Do you know that each and every one of those children, God is interested in each aspect of their lives. That he wants to use them in 2017 for his kingdom. He's interested in their salvation. He's interested in them knowing him. So that they can do the works of God. And I don't want to be one of those churches that's shut down and it's a memorial and we're not going to have a graveyard. But, you know, we're not going to be one of those churches. And I said this in the first service and I say it now, not on my watch. We are going to be reaching young and we shall continue to reach young. Amen. And we will continue without shame to ask a bunch of you to serve our kids every, all, every week at church. Why? Because we love them. We're not, we're not putting them in the other room because we don't love them. We're putting them in the other room because they'd be really bored listening to me. We want to put them in an environment 
so that they can hear about Jesus at their age and stage of life. See, they would sit here and listen to me and be like, boring, the old guy is really boring. But then they get in an environment where they can hear about Jesus at their level. They can learn about the love of God at their level. We're going to keep doing that. I said we're going to keep doing that. Amen. Jesus said, he said to him, feed my lands. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? What do you answer, church? When Jesus asks you, do you love him? What do you say? Yes, Jesus, we love you. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, do you, do you feel that Jesus is trying to get a point across to him? Any teachers out there know that repetition is a good way to learn. Jesus is repeating something over and over again because it's really important to him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Feed my sheep. That we would love the generation that follows us. See, and this is something, this is, I'm just telling you, this is what makes following Jesus not boring. Because if we're, if, if we, and this is what happens a lot of time for Christians, if we just lock into, here's the four songs that I like, and here's the only preaching that I like to listen to, you're kind of missing the point of, of the joy of serving God. The joy of serving God is, yes, loving God, but then you get to do something in the kingdom of God for somebody else. So that another generation will know. That another generation can lift up the name of Jesus and be excited about the gospel and fall in love with God. And know that this is the only life worth living following Jesus. Amen. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, womb, a reward. What are they? They're a heritage. That means inheritance. That our children, every child in City Kids and every, every uh, junior high student right now upstairs, those children and the children sitting in this room, they're a gift from God. I mean, and it says, you know, they came from your womb, mothers, but you know where they came from first? God. They're gods. And they're going to survive us. And when they survive us, we just don't want them to be good Canadian citizens. Yes, we want them to be good Canadian citizens, but we want them to love Jesus. And we want them to love the church. And we need to model that for them. That we love God and we love the church. So, you know, I, I grew up in different church contexts, you know, and there were some Christians that I saw growing up that were, this is a short list, they were mean and they were nasty and they were stingy, and they were angry all the time, and they wore really bad pants. <laughs> and they didn't help me want to follow Jesus. You know, the scripture says that Jesus came to, that we would have life, and have that more abundantly. That we would be living passionate lives, that we would be living authentic lives. And that's something that young people can follow. 
I mean, 10 to 15 years from now, our worship, we're going to be singing different songs. Our stage is going to look different. But who cares? If they love Jesus, who cares what it looks like? We want to be the type of people that some young person could think, man, that person really loves God. That's not like a fake thing. They're not putting it on. They're not just pretending. They actually love God. And also, they really love me. They really care about me. And do you have anybody that you could remember like that in your life? A person who loved you that didn't have to love you. See, I've got some memories, some bad memories, church memories, as come out once in a while. But I also have some really good memories of some people in church that they didn't have to love me. They weren't paid to love me. They just loved me. And they saw beyond my angry teenage face. And they saw my potential. And they saw who I could be in God. And they slowed down and they invested into my life. And listen, if we can get everybody sitting in this room doing that, whether you're on a schedule or not, how much could we impact the next generation? That they could take the church farther than we could ever even imagine. Accomplish things in this city that we could never dream of. Psalm 78 verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide it from, hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. And the next generation, everybody say the next generation, that the next generation might know them, children yet unborn, Arise and tell their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the good works, but keep his commandments. There's four generations listed in that portion of scripture. Not a generation that God's not just interested in one generation that we would know and we would worship and we would know the promises and we would know the word. And we would have a relationship, but the generation that follows and then the generation that follows and then the generation that follows. That's the type of church that we want to be. We want to follow this idea that we would be able to teach our children. And when I say our children, I mean all of our children. All of our children. So that they will know and then they'll teach another generation. See, all of us in the body of Christ, all of us in the church, and I know this is so true for me. That we stand on the shoulders of the previous generation. The previous faithful generation. We stand on their shoulders. But we're not just supposed to stand on their shoulders. We're supposed to stand on their shoulders and then reach down to the next generation and say, stand on my shoulders. Let me help you figure this thing out. Let me help you understand faith in Jesus. See, I've got... I've got all day to talk to a young person that's figuring out their faith. 
I've got five seconds for an older person who doesn't like our music. I got maybe even five seconds till they get out. The th- I don't like it. I'm like, nah, I ain't got time for this. I don't have time for that. I, I, there's, there's a bunch of amazing older people in this church that love young people. There's, there was people like that that used to go here. They don't go here anymore. Um, but we, we got to have time for the young people. We got to make time for young people. We got to have a heart for young people. See, and once again, young people is somebody younger than you. Now, it gets, it's amazing. You can get old really fast. Does anybody know this? Does anybody figure this out? You know, talking about Tyler's mom, I mean, I was in youth group like yesterday, but apparently it's 30 years ago. And I still, you know, I'm still, I still, wasn't, weren't we all just teenagers yesterday? But there's, there's a whole generation of, of young people coming after me in their 30s and 20s that we need to be interested in the next generation. We're almost done here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love that one, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So here's a couple things that these verses are saying. That all of us are going to die. Are you glad you came to church today? Did I encourage you with those words? All of us are going to be like grass. That's just, it's, we're going to get cut down and we're just going to fade away and we're going to be like a flower that falls. But the word of God is the thing that's going to keep going on. That is the thing that we're going to invest in the next generation, that they would put their hope in God and not in themselves, and not in culture, which is going to continue to change. But they would put their faith in God, the unchanging word of God, that is forever settled in heaven. That is the thing that is going to continue on into the future. And that is the thing that we can invest in the next generation. Amen. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful that we... Have a church filled with young people. That is all the people younger than me, Lord. And God, I just pray that you give us a heart for the generation to follow. I pray that you give us a heart for all of the kids today, Lord, in City Kids. I pray, Lord, you give us a heart for all of the students in City Youth. God, give us a heart for everybody younger than ourselves. That we can invest in the generation to follow. Because you are a God of generations. We just love you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.